What do you get when you mix spiders, lizards, and the healing power of love? You get a good reason to watch movies after work. Hey there, guys. It is Thomas Green. And I'm Alex Lewis. And this is Movies After Work, and this is our 50th episode. Woo! (laughs) Oh, don't we feel all grown up. Having... I'm I'm having my normal drink, um, partially just given the fact that I don't drink. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, it's a occasion. It's, it's our this is our Halloween episode. That's not really a Halloween episode. It's it's our Halloween episode. It's our fiftieth episode. It's an episode. I don't I don't know. I I feel like those two things are kind of it. It's all we've yeah. got. We're we're. F- <laughs> You know, fifty episodes in, and we've uh, we've we've got an opening bit that we do. <laughs> that's that's the evolution. That's the evolution of the show. Is that now we don't just randomly start talking. Now we do a fun little intro. Um, that that is the extent of our our growth after fifty that episodes. Is, that's what we've developed over over fifty episodes. After fifty episodes, we we came to the realization at some point in there. Hey, we probably shouldn't just go. Hey, everybody, how you doing? Blatantly out of nowhere to surprise people. Um, that is that is the extent of our growth. But for us, that's that's still growth that we can be proud of. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, again, this is our this is our Halloween episode as well. Um, for for this fun year that feels like a, a never ending nightmare, um, yeah. we get a day of celebrating the um, the fun part of it, I guess, which in itself is still kind of like it's very unfortunate because the Hall- you know Halloween is go to random people's houses and ask them for food, which. Yeah. <laughs> Can you guess the issues? (laughs) Yes. Can you guess the issues with that right now, America? Um, Yeah. It's it's very bittersweet because this is obviously like one. This is one of my favorite holidays, and uh, it and it leads into you know what is ordinarily my favorite part of the year. You know, we get Halloween, and then next month we get Thanksgiving. The month after that we get Christmas, and it comes with all this. Um, these sort of, you know, traditions that you might have of going to a pumpkin patch and then, you know, getting together with family and friends and celebrating these times together and celebrating the the transition of seasons and, you know, it's just... Reflecting it's on the year. <laughs> <laughs> Which a lot of us really want to do anymore. <laughs> We're all kind of sick of reflecting on this year. <laughs> This, this whole year has been like the morning after daylight savings time, where you're just so convinced it's not when it actually is. Yeah. Yeah. All the evidence points to it being one thing, but it just feels like it should be something else. Um, yeah, this is... This, yeah, the... My my wife is a big holidays person. I'm not, but she's she's a huge holiday person. So um, between pregnancy, 
new child, health issues, all sorts of different stuff. Um, she's rarely gotten to celebrate any of the holidays that are coming up. Yeah. Um, for years now, so it's it. This is a big deal for her. Um, yeah. To to try to be diving into it. Um, yeah. Uh, hey, Alex. Uh, since yeah. it is our Halloween episode, um, do you have a do you have an a, an evil scary laugh that you can give the audience? An evil scary laugh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I hate that you put me on the spot like that. Now you have to do it. I, I purposely put you on the spot because of my own personal amusement. I love I love that yours is literally it's it's like one of those try not to laugh challenges where it just sounds like you're trying not to laugh and then at the very end you break. Um, that I think that's what makes your evil laugh special. Oh, thank you. Um, okay, so I gotta I gotta do one now, right? Is okay. Um, do you want evil bellow or do you want um, insane cackle? I want insane cackle. <laughs> that's that's good. Yeah, I. You know, it's that's Joker esque. It. I. Um, I discovered that I had this. We. I have this face that I can make that. Um, that if I make it, I, uh, my wife divorces me. Um, but I, 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 I started having fun, f- um, screwing, you know, screwing with people in college with the, with the evil face and finally decided, well, uh, there needs to be a laugh that goes with it because people are going to start getting dull to it. Um, and, and sure enough, I did that face to a couple of friends and they're like, yeah, we've seen it. It's starting to lose. And then I did the cackle and they were like, oh, fuck no. And ran out of the room. <laughs> Um, well, at least you know you have a ripcord in your relationship. Oh, yeah. yeah. Never get to, to be too much. <laughs> you go, all right, the face and the laugh are coming out. If, and it's not like you have to cheat or, or, you know, there's no infidelity or anything. It's it's just a simple, you know, it, there's an understanding. She's not going to ask me for a divorce. She's going to ask me to do the, to do the laugh and the face. <laughs> that, that's what, that that's how it's going to play out. Um I, I'm 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 emotionally prepared for that. I think um, now that we've now that we've really <laughs> attributed. <laughs> Someday you're gonna get a text from me going, "I did the laugh. Can I sleep on your couch?" <laughs> There's always room. Let's. Um. So, so I think our our episode needs a little little explanation. Yeah. Um, it's not quite a Halloween episode. Um, you had texted me with the brilliant idea of, you know, asking what, what my son was being for Halloween. Mm-hmm. I asked you what M was being for Halloween and my son's being Spider-Man and your daughter's being Rapunzel. Yes. Um, so you had said, why don't we talk about the movies that we, that our kids have been introduced, you know, to these characters by and why they enjoy the movie, why they enjoy the characters, um, you know, what what made them enjoy these characters so much that they want to dress up like them for Halloween? Um, what our relationship is to it? What we, you know, why we might have exposed our kids to these films mm-hmm. at the times that we did? And I, I thought that was a that was a good idea. So um, yeah. yeah, that's our that's our plan. Yeah, um, yeah. We I, I, neither neither Alex or I are huge horror movie watchers, mm-hmm. and. 
so kind of sitting there begrudgingly picking what horror movie we wanted to to subject ourselves to if we weren't necessarily full on in the mood to watch it didn't yeah. sound super appealing um <laughs> But, you know, also this is, you know, it's our 50th episode, um, and a big part of the existence of this show is not just the fact that we work, and that, um, that we often, you know, the show's origins was us meeting up after our respective jobs to go sit and chat, um, but also just the fact that we're both fathers of, um, toddlers now. And so there's a whole other level, essentially, to to the to what we bond over, what we inevitably end up watching. Um, we've, I mean, the amount of times where where Alex and I have had text conversations where we compared notes on what shows we're having our kids watch, especially during the first years of their life. Like, yeah. both your son and my daughter, in the first year of each of their lives, there was plenty of us texting each other, going, hey, um, I don't know if you know this, man, but they put Curious George on Hulu. You know, my kid really likes it. You know? Oh, don't worry. We've already watched it twice. <laughs> um, there is plenty of discussion about Curious George. It's very wholesome. It's yes. Very wholesome. Yes, we've discussed Curious George a lot. Um, I feel like once every year, give or take, one of us texts the other one because they just remembered that William H. Macy voices the narrator for the first two seasons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's, always, there's always that point that one of us pulls out their phone and goes, Hey, did you know? That... Yeah. Um... It's, it's always, that's one of my favorite parts about watching uh, kids shows with my son is like spotting a voice that you didn't realize, you know, had, had played a certain character. Like the fact that on, on PBS, uh, Martin Short voices the cat for the cat in the hat knows all about that. Yeah. Is one of the only redeeming qualities of that show. <laughs> it's not one of, it's the only. <laughs> as somebody who is, as somebody who decided for their child that they weren't going to watch any more of that show because he didn't want to. It's the only redeeming quality. Um, the, yeah, but I mean, so, you know, it's 50 episodes and it feels like putting a little bit of focus on our kids makes, um, some sense. Cause it's not, you know, it's not the big triple digit 100 that we're at, but it's still, you know, it's 50. It feels good to, to know that we've made it to doing 50 of these shows and, roughly a year and a half. Um, so it feel, you know, it feels good to know that we've, we've accomplished that. I have Um, it on good authority that we're, we are one of the, the one of the most popular podcasts featuring two dads who are exhausted and talk about movies. And if I just continue to say that, then it'll be a reality. (laughs) You're going, you're going with the Andy, a geek salad, his mentality of, I'm just going to will this into a must be true existence. I, I guess I was kind of ripping ripping that off, but uh, but yeah, I, I suppose so. I mean, Andy is one hundred percent right about their claims. Ours, we'll just you know, we'll make up whatever the hell we want. Who cares? Yeah, um, check that. We we are the we are the preeminent exhausted da- dads in Pennsylvania movies podcast. Yeah, 
Um, the more you specify it, the, the truer it has to be. <laughs> I I am the yeah. I'm I'm, I'm just gonna stop all of that. <laughs> I'll I'll do this for too long. Um, yeah, so you know, f- um, so yeah, we figured fifty episodes. Let's do something a little special. And uh, for us, there's nothing more special than our kids. It's tacky to say it, but it's it's reality. Um, yeah. And with you know, we wanted to do something Halloween wise. We we have two kids that are really starting to get to have the fun of trick or treating, so just made sense to to segue in that way. Um, yeah. But before we fully segue into our kids, let's talk a couple of trailers. Um, really, everything that we have to talk about is incredible. Is either underwhelming or just doesn't look good. Um, just to, just to pre-warn, um, neither one of us has or will watch the trailer for the Michael Bay produced pandemic movie. Um, it's just too, it's just too ridiculously in poor taste. So I don't know how that movie looks. I'm, I'm saddened by any actor I'm a fan of who might be in that movie, but I, yeah. I have no interest in watching the trailer. I want nothing to do with the movie. Um, I just find it terrible that it exists. And I stand by that opinion. Um, and then we talked a little bit about... Uh, they released this week a new teaser for Halloween Kills. The uh, Halloween reboot sequel. Yeah. Um, and I, it's... It, it doesn't show much. It's you know, it's it's basically the perfect teaser because it shows you Michael My- Myers and it shows you Laurie Strode. So it basically is speaking to it, it's it's not speaking to an audience who doesn't already have an appreciation or a, or at least a base understanding of what Halloween is. It shows you them. It assures you that there are going to be some deaths in the movie, um, and the. Uh, yeah, it like we talked about um, before we started recording it. It the the teaser. I feel like the main thing the teaser was promising people is they weren't going to have to sit through the Laurie Strode screaming at people who won't listen to her and believe her thing. I feel like that's really the only difference that yeah. we're going to get with this movie. Um, I'll be very curious. Yeah. I'm curious if they're aiming for this to be the second movie in a trilogy. Or if this is going to be the third movie in a trilogy that starts with the original Halloween. Because then it would be... The, the trilogy I, I think be, there is going to be a third one. Okay. Because uh, it would be very weird if the trilogy was Halloween, Halloween, Halloween Kills. <laughs> it would just be a very... Like, but I'm curious. Like, Halloween, Halloween uh, Kills. Uh, if the third one's called Halloween Dies... Then I, I, I was just going to say, I think I've heard that that is going to be the title. Well, because then, I, think, I thought that they had released the three titles, you know, uh, basically around the time the first film was released. Well, then I think somebody needs to have their uh, Writers Guild card revoked. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not saying that any of the, like, I'm not saying that Halloween, Friday the 13th, or Nightmare on Elm Street have 
I'm not saying any of them have been impervious to shitty sequel titles, but spare me at least a little bit. Yeah. Is all I ask. Um, so we had that. We had, um, let me get it right because I keep getting it wrong. The Midnight Sky. And that is the actual name of it. I keep calling it The Wandering Earth, but it's The Midnight Sky. Uh, the new George Clooney starring and directed film that is going to be coming to Netflix. Um, I mean, it looks like a really good cast for a movie that's going to be more preachy than good. Um, I, I, do have, uh, I do have faith that this will be better than Interstellar. Um, but... I, I just assume... That's something that's exceeding <laughs> a high bar to clear. Is, I mean, as long as at some point in the movie we don't have George Clooney sit there forcing out Oscar tears while talking about the power of love, then <laughs> I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, I don't go nice on that stuff. I don't care. Um, but yeah, I'm... Just, the cast is phenomenal, but it looks like the movie's going to be more preachy than it is an actual movie, so I'm worried about that. Um, but until I have Netflix again, it doesn't really matter, because I won't be able to watch it, so... Yeah. Well, unless you're planning to fork over even more money, then you're probably not going to get it anytime soon, since Netflix just, yet again, has raised their prices. Yeah. Well, I love I love the $9 option for the 480p resolution subscription that, that literally just going like it's literally them going okay you know what we're just going to see how much we can abuse you we're not yeah. even giving you we're we're not even wasting our time with 720 dvd quality picture we're just we're going to make you slum at 480 you can you yeah. can use this while watching it hooked up while you have something hooked up to a old tube tv for all we care <laughs> This uh, is for everyone with CRT TVs. <laughs> oh, yeah. Are you bored with watching your favorite UHF channels? Then pop over to your Netflix account for the same quality <laughs> picture. <laughs> oh, it's going to make Stranger Things feel really authentic, though. It'll feel like you're watching it in the 80s. Yes, yes. It'll truly feel like it's in the 80s. Um, so I guess, I guess there is that upside. I stand so corrected. <laughs> and, uh, finally, just a, a quick, um, quick brush past The Prom, the, uh, the musical adaptation, the Broadway musical adaptation that's coming out by, from, uh, Ryan Murphy. Um, I fucking can't stand that guy. I think he's kind of a, a loathsome human being who has has gotten an ego. Um, and, I mean, I, I just ask that anyone who wants to praise him remember back when he tried to cancel any band that wouldn't give over their music. Um, I remember he tried to get Kings of Leon canceled. Like, he tried to basically, like, convince all fans of Glee 
to, like, bully them and shut them out and refuse to listen to their music and stuff like that because they wouldn't l give up their music for the show. Not even their music. I think it was just yeah. a song. And literally, the, the, the band went on, like, the band went on social media and said, we legally aren't, we, we're legally not allowed. We don't have, we don't have the power to make that decision. <laughs> it's yeah. in our contract. We legally can't give our music to other people to use. Like, like trying to un explain to people, like, it's not just a, because he thinks he's amazing. Um, yeah. And he does. There are quotes of, of him just being the most egotistical prick on the planet. Um, <laughs> but, and then, like, he tried to get Dave Grohl just, like, tried to ruin his career. Yeah. Like, you're really gonna go for the, essentially, the Paul Rudd of the music industry. <laughs> Everybody loves him. Everybody yeah. knows him. Everyone has his back. Yeah. And you're and, and like I I want to check the timeline, but I'm pretty sure they got to the point where they were having like struggling with finding music and having to do like 13 Britney Spears ex, you know all Britney Spears music episodes mm -hmm. around the time that they tried to cancel them cuz I imagine a lot of bands at that point said we're not giving you our music. Like you just yeah. attacked one of the nicest guys in the industry. You just tried to have your fans, who claim they're against bullying, bully this guy. Because yeah. he wouldn't give you a song. Like... So, so to recap, the trailers we're talking about this week are two trailers we're not actually talking about this week. A trailer that doesn't look particularly interesting, and a teaser for a movie that's going to come out a year from now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, and the prom just doesn't look good anyway. Yeah, it's another. It's one of those self-serving shows that they. And this is going even just to the Broadway musical itself. You know, give me Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder. You know, give me that and you know, give me that in movie form if you're going to do something. Give 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 the guys who did the play where you know the play where everything goes wrong. Give them a movie. Gotcha. But. Okay, so that was that's that's my exhausted self venting. I'm 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 on my third day of sleeping from six forty five a.m. to one p.m. because of a night yeah. job. So my mood is kind of all over the place. It's the real reason I'm so good at the evil laugh. But. But yeah, so, as we mentioned, we're talking about our kids and their, um, and their, their costumes. Um, now, just a, just a heads up so there's no confusion. I, um, my, my nickname for Duez's son is Tarzan. So if you hear me say Tarzan, that's not the costume, that's just him. Um... <laughs> Up until, what, maybe a year ago? Maybe even less than that? Um, it's been like a year, year and a half now. Feels like so much longer. He don used to dominate this amazing long hair look. Um, yeah. That just refused to to follow any rules, and I just admired it. Um, 
Oh, I did too. I loved it. So I just started calling him Tarzan. And that became my nickname for him. Um, but um, you, you had mentioned earlier, but uh, go ahead and, you know, what what is Tarzan's Halloween costume this year? Uh, so my son is Spider-Man this year. And uh, it comes in as no surprise because I'm such a huge nerd myself. But, um, you know, I introduced him to Spider-Man, you know, basically as, as soon as I was able to. Um, in whatever form that took, uh, but he, um, you know, he, he gravitated towards Spider-Man. Obviously he's a, he's a character that kids have loved for generations. And I showed him different, uh, kids books with him, you know, in there. And they had like some kids comics and, uh, you know, finally he's, he's three and a half now, um, little over three and a half. And, uh, you know, Into the Spider-Verse came out, I guess, last year at this point. Um, who knows? Years ago. <laughs> yeah, it feels who like knows what? Who knows what time is anymore? <laughs> um, but, you know, it was nice to have a Spider-Man film that I could show my son with, you know, relative, r- really no reservation. Um, you know, there's, there's a few moments where... It might be a little little intense, but even for a three or four or five year old, I think it's a perfectly fine film. Um, it's one of the you know easiest ways to introduce them to the character, you know, via a feature film. Everything else that you're going to show them would be PG thirteen and, and probably more intense than you'd like them to see. Yeah. Uh, and you know, my son is <laughs> like he's a he's a brown-haired, blue-eyed little white boy. Like, he is... He looks like Peter Parker. He could look like Peter Parker in most... Um, oh, yeah. You know, iterations of him. Um, and I don't, you know... I'm not taking credit for this, because, like I said, it was just the the one I'm able to show him. But it's, it's really nice to be able to expose him to a Spider-Man that doesn't look like him, and, and you know, that, that has such a wide cast of characters... Um, and obviously one being a pig and one, you know, another being a 19, you know, twenties, thirties, forties, like <laughs> noir Spider-Man. Um, but it's nice to be able to be like there, there's, you know, Miles Morales and there's Gwen Stacy and there's Penny Parker and they don't all have to be Peter Parker and they don't all, all have to look exactly like you. And, um, they're still all Spider-Men or Spider-People. Um, and it's, you know, it's a fun, enjoyable film. I know that uh, Tom and I actually watched it together in theaters, um, yeah. and you were sort of lukewarm on it. I was definitely, uh, I had more fun with it than, than maybe you did, uh, but, it, you know, it's a it's a very enjoyable film. I've seen it since we saw it in theaters, probably three or four more times since then. Um, you know, I've also introduced... Uh, my son to, to Spider-Man through cartoons like Spectacular Spider-Man and uh, Disney's Ultimate Spider-Man. Um, but probably Into the Spider-Verse is, is what he has the most affinity for or, or has seen the most times. And that's fantastic. Yeah. And that, like, the thing for me is that regardless... Regardless of how anyone 
feels about this movie, whether they, they love it or they hate it, mm-hmm. it is undeniable that the movie is good, is at, is at the bare minimum good enough yeah. that, it, that it is a major source of inspiration for children to either feel like they're included or to help inspire them to make sure others are included. And that, that is far more important than anything else. Yeah. Um, but yes, that being said, yeah, I, I, I need to watch it again. And someday when I have Netflix again, I, I will watch it again. Um, and I'll, I'll expose it to my daughter cause she hasn't had the chance to see it yet. Um, I'd like her to, cause she does like superhero stuff, but, um, but yes, when we saw it in theaters, I was, I was pretty lukewarm with it. I, you know, story wise, it's fantastic. Voice acting wise, with the exception of having to listen to Jake Johnson, I'm on board. Would I, I you're going to say that. Honest, well, and honestly, even if I liked, there, even if I liked Jake Johnson, I kind of would have liked to have seen Chris Pine play super confident one universe Spider-Man and shamble of a man, Peter Parker, in a, from another universe. I kind of would have loved that. Yeah. Like, I get story-wise, yeah, that- story if he sounds identical, then he's not going to be able to, like, blend in at the gala thing, so that way Mary Jane doesn't realize who he is, but... Yeah. It's weird that Mary Jane is is seemingly identical in everything, including voice, in one universe, but Peter Parker yeah. isn't. Um, yeah. I, I do take... And, it, it, and that's, that's, not, that's not on the movie. It's uh, honestly like even though it's there in the movie, it's not on the movie because that is a that is a an issue that comics, regardless of brand, the whole multiverse logic, consistency, whatever you want to call it, it is um, it lives on such a lack of rules. Yeah. Like, Sadly, multiverses have basically been created in comic books especially, but in sci-fi in general, essentially just to give yourself the ability to do other fun stuff instead of following strict rules. Yeah. Like, if we, I mean, the reality is if Doctor Strange is going into multiverses, if he comes across Iron Man in another universe, it should be Tony Stark. Because that's what makes sense, unless you're going to say that, oh, in this universe, Howard Stark married someone else, and that's why it looks like someone else. But you've got to put that kind of, you have to have that kind of work existing, otherwise, it it doesn't, in my opinion. Um, but, the, the movie... The thing that got under my skin, and not when I was watching the movie, but afterwards, the movie is given credit for a lot of things that it didn't do. <laughs> um, one, the, and the, the big one for me is a lot of the cartoon, comic strippy effects of like 
you know, little lines coming out of hands high-fiving or stuff like that. All of that stuff had been done and done better previously in the Peanuts movie. Mm -hmm. I I would argue, because I started fixating on it a little bit while watching the movie, there is a lack of consistency in the rules of when we used those little thing, those little aesthetics in this movie. Mm-hmm. Peanuts movie, there is a very, there are clear rules set down and there's consistency to it. With Spider-Verse, I would argue that the animation lacks consistency. Um, I know you and I debated at the time um, I did not like the whole, it feels like I'm watching 3D without the glasses thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. That I really didn't like that, and it caused me to spend most of the movie with a headache. Yeah. It caused, it caused me to, to wonder whether or not we should have grabbed 3D glasses. Yeah. I, re- I, but, um, I, I remember you checking your ticket like 10, 15 minutes into the movie to see if it said 3D <laughs> on it anywhere. Um... But all like, it just it was, it was visual style. The the visual there there were just so there there was a lot about the visuals to me that left me underwhelmed. Like we spent so much time expressing all the differences between all of these different Spider Mans, and then we get what should be this really cool battle in a like, ever-changing New York City that's a hodgepodge of all of their New Yorks. Yeah. And, A, we keep drastically changing the color of the entire screen, so the eyes are just constantly trying to catch up. And, two, there's literally literally no difference. Like, at no point am I like, oh, we just went into Spider-Man Noir's New York. Oh, we're in Spider-Ham's now. That's hilarious. Yeah. I, at no point did I feel that way, because it was a bunch of identical New Yorks, which I found incredibly... Like, this is this is another one of those superhero movies to me where the third act boss fight is a massive letdown of expectations that you told me to have and then you didn't deliver on yourself mm-hmm. um, yeah and I, I don't think it's it's a perfect movie in in that way um, I think you know we did, we had discussed it whenever we had watched the film um, that the death of the spider bot you know felt it, it felt like they were going for the big hero six ending mm-hmm. of you don't know whether or not Baymax is going to um, come back. And that really didn't feel earned because we didn't, hadn't spent that much time with Penny Parker. Um, and the spider was still alive from the spider suit. So it felt like there really wasn't a cost because that robot could be remade. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we had talked about how the third act, the, you know, the beginning of the third act, when they are headed to the to the fight with kingpin it feels the messaging feels weird or um you know hypocritical in a way because they keep talking about 
you don't know, you're not going to know when you're ready. It's a leap of faith. But then Miles is, is explicitly not ready. You know, let's, we have to, we have to tie him to a chair until he can prove that he can, you know, call upon the, the venom strike that he has and the, yeah. and the invisibility, invisibility. Um, yeah. so there was a, there was a little bit of a mixed messaging with that. Um, but I think overall, I mean, it's, it's a very fun movie. Um, I personally like Jake Johnson. Um, but I do, I really do enjoy Chris Pine's Spider-Man and it would have been interesting to have Miles have more time with him or to, yes, have that dynamic where Chris Pine is being introduced to all these other Spider-Men and specifically to the Jake Johnson equivalent. Yeah. It's one thing with the other ones being so drastically different, but that one's barely different. So if you still had, you know, Nick Cage as Spider-Man Noir, um, John Mulaney is Spider-Ham, etc. That's fine. I just, I personally would have liked that because then you're also kind of giving an almost um, strange, you, you know, that, that Spider-Man's going to be even more jarring to Miles. Um, but I think it should also be stated, um, because I know I've been saying so much on this movie, it should also be stated that this is the best Doc Ock in any Spider-Man movie. Mm-hmm. The, the best. Yeah, no, I, I, I wouldn't argue that. <laughs> um, I, I don't, like, at, at this point, I don't honestly remember if I saw it coming that she was Doc Ock, and I don't really care. Um... Because her Doc Ock, the design is fantastic. The the gender yeah. swap is cool in just in all yeah. the right ways. It's you know, it it and you know, you've got Catherine Hahn who's just one of the most underappreciated actresses out there right now, despite all the work she gets. Um But it's just there's so much that is fantastic about that one character alone that I could like, you could have given me a whole movie that was just ver- like, instead of it being, you know, Kingpin doing stuff, it was just Doc Ock doing stuff for shits and giggles. And I still like, if the movie had been Doc Ock as the villain trying to save her husband or her wife, and instead of it being Kingpin, I've been down. I would honestly, I think I would have liked the movie even more because yeah. they don't do they don't do a bad job with Kingpin, but he's no, but he is so comedically non-human looking compared to every other character that yeah. it just like it's hard to really engage. Whereas she she just there is something so threatening and overpowering about her presence despite her seeming incredibly normal yeah and i just found that fantastic so she like yeah. that character for me of the um outside of our leads was the big standout like I, Miles was awesome, you know. I, I'm not going to rush to theaters to see the next Spider Spider Verse movie, 
but I'm not against seeing it. Yeah. Like, I'll, I'll, I'm sure I will see it, I'm just not gonna rush to it. Yeah. It, um, it's... Real quick, that, uh, the Spider-Man Miles Morales on PS4 and PS5 has a Into the Spider-Verse skin, and they have tried to match animations as closely to the film as possible in the game, and it, it is, it's, well, it's, it's spellbinding. Like, it looks like I'm watching the Spider-Man of, the Miles Morales Spider-Man of Into the Spider-Verse as a playable character in a game. Like, that's, that's what I'm watching. Nice. His his acrobatics in the air and the way he like flails around. I'll I'll have to send you the video afterwards. But it's it's honestly it looks really really awesome. Yes, and speaking of which, um, when it comes to into the Spidey verse, especially when you're on Twitter, um, just acknowledge that it's the animators that are making these amazing shots. <laughs> They're like. Mm-hmm. Like th- we're not talking about a director and a cinematographer on a set. We're talking about animators in front of computers that are bringing this to life. That is not getting yep. acknowledged enough by people on film Twitter. I just have to call people out on that right now. Um, given the fact that animators and visual effects artists are the guys that are constantly getting screwed over by pirating and having their studio shut down. Um, I feel, feel like it's important that that keeps getting reminded. Um, because that it's, it's critical. So, but yeah, so yeah, those, those are my, I'm sure, um, I'm sure everyone totally agrees with me thoughts about into the spider verse. I'm 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 sure there's going to be one or two people that listen to this and go, the fuck is he saying? <laughs> I'm gonna have to I'm smack sure we him have up. That nearly every episode. There's some. There's there's got to be a point in every single episode that makes at least one person listening clench their teeth and their fists and want to hit me. There has to be. <laughs> it's just a guarantee. I know how people are when they have to interact with me on a daily basis. I know what my wife looks like half the time. There is at least one moment in each episode. Uh, but well, speaking of speaking of animators, that's not a bad segue. What is yeah. um, if you want to repeat for everyone, what is your daughter's costume? Where did where did it come from? So uh, my daughter's costume for this year is Rapunzel from Disney's Tangled. Uh, this was, I think, the second Disney animated film that we really got her into. Um, the first one being Moana. Uh, we, she still loves Moana, but okay. um, she has a special love for, for Tangled. Um, and I legitimately think it's because of the hair. She see, she, she's fixated <laughs> on the hair of all of her dolls and herself, so I blame this. Um, I 100% blame this movie. Um, for those of you wondering when you hear that, we're having a connection issue. Um, 
Yeah. We don't, we don't know which one of us to blame, but there's there's been a little bit of a connection issue tonight. Um, but uh, she loves this movie. Um, I've never seen her, in the umpteen times that she has watched this movie in her life, I've never seen her watch this movie and not laugh hysterically when Pascal uh, wakes Fl- um, Flynn up by sticking his tongue in his ear. Yeah. <laughs> when when that happens, she starts laughing every single time. Um, yeah. She, yeah, she, this is one of her go-to movies to watch. Uh, this is one of our, yeah. her go-to movies for us to turn on for her. And we'll turn on the TV series, the, like, animated TV series occasionally if we know that this is what she wants to watch, but we need it to be a little bit longer. Yeah. Um, then we'll turn on the series and let that play. Um and it helps since I don't think a single cast member is recasted for the series. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, Mandy Moore plays Rapunzel. Zachary Levi plays Flynn. Literally to the point where Paul F. Tompkins plays the the drunken Cupid thug. Yeah. Um, <laughs> literally, like, everyone's playing their stuff, and then there's, like, Sean Hayes and Diedrich Bader each playing one or two supporting roles in every single episode. It's hysterical. Um, yeah. But you go through the cast list for each episode and go, okay, um, wow, we have fun with this show, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's, I mean... So... But, yeah. Sorry, go No, no, go, go for it. Um... I was just going to say, obviously, you know, you've, you've voiced on this show how you're not the biggest fan of Frozen, but anyone who wants to praise Frozen, anything you like about Frozen, you have this movie to thank for it. I think this film, I think the success of this film and why people found it funny and why people connected to it are the notes that Disney tried to take and make it into the success that Frozen is. Um, yes. Um, and I think, I think we both would say that this is probably the more enjoyable film. I, I mean, for you most definitely. Um, for myself, I think I could say that. Um, but when we, when we had talked about discussing these two films, I actually went back two nights ago and, and watched Tangled from, from start to finish, and I think it was maybe the first time I had, I had done so. Um, and I had seen bits and pieces of it more times than I could count. Um, but watching it from start to finish, I'm like, this is, this is really, really great. This stands up as, you know, among the best Disney films. And it's the, it's the score by, by Alan Menken. It's the voice actors. It's their, it's their singing ability. Um, you know, I, I don't think there's many faults in this film. I would agree. I, I I would definitely agree with that. Um, this movie, I mean, when you've got a cast like this one for uh, that they have for this film, you're already starting off strong. Um, you've just got you've got solid leads. Um, you've got two hysterical animal sidekicks. Yeah. Um, that just deliver throughout the whole movie. Yeah. Um, 
you get really fun action, you get, um, you know, Flynn is quippy without being, without explaining his jokes all the time. Um, the, the only issue I have, the only big issue that I have with this movie is the music. Okay. And not because the music is necessarily bad, but because it's inconsistent. You know, you get the when will my life begin? It's pop rocky. Then you get something more traditional with mother knows best. And like it, you get like the, the music does not all kind of live within the same world. Um, which is not necessarily jarring, but it always, I'm not a big fan of when music is not consistent in a musical. Um, and the, the, the one that gets me the most, just because like most people, I love Disney villain songs. Um, there's little to no bad Disney villain songs out there. They they pretty much knock it out of the park every single time. This, for me, though, is my least favorite. And the reason is simply because the song just kind of stops. We don't get that fun minor key change into the, the, the final piece of the song. We don't get a build-up or anything, like... We get the reprise later, but that's a reprise. It's not. It's, it's not what we should have had as part of the song at the beginning. Okay. And it'd be one thing if when Mother Grothel gets mad after Flynn's in the closet. It'd be one thing if she, when she got mad there, then we went into that part and it was just kind of, the song was just a little broken up because then it wouldn't feel like a reprieve. Then it would feel like it was legitimately just the continuation of the song. But the song itself just kind of stops. Yeah. Now, it's not on the level of, I feel like every song except for Let It Go stops and Frozen. <laughs> they all just seem to abruptly stop almost like they were all rushed in how they were written. <laughs> but it, it, do, it does get under my skin a little bit. But I would say that, I mean, we you get legitimately charming, fun characters all throughout Tangled um, with the noticeable hasn't-aged wellness of having Jeffrey Tam, Tambor sing about how he really wants to make a love connection. Um, as much as the, yeah, as, but you can't fault the movie for that. Yes, yes, you you cannot you cannot unless they knew, but I don't think they did. Um, yeah, I you know I um, it's funny that you talk about the villain song because you know I don't necessarily disagree with that, um, but I absolutely love the menace at the end of the song where she's like Rapunzel never asked to leave this tower again because uh, Mother Gothel seems like a villain who pr- probably won't and probably can't by virtue of the fact that she 
you know, needs her and needs her hair can't cause physical harm necessarily to Rapunzel. Yeah. Um, but it is sheer psychological, emotional abuse from her, oh, which yeah. almost feels more sinister. Um, but that, I mean, that command from her sort of like sends chills down your spine because she she is a very menacing villain without being you know particularly threatening otherwise she is dangerous in her ability to get others to do things for her Mm -hmm. you know she is not she's she's not a i'll do it myself She's not as I'll do it myself as some villains can be, at least to the extent before their henchmen kick in, like with Ursula or Scar. Yeah. Um, she's more. She lives more in the world of um, Claude Frollo and Lady Tremaine and um, Keith David and Fuck um, Frog Prin- the Princess and the Frog. Uh, yeah. I'm totally. I can never remember how to pronounce this character's name. Um, but she lives in that domain of, like, the conniving underhandedness and, you know, somebody who could easily physically be dominated, but they trick everyone into helping them instead of standing up to them. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say, like, I don't know, it'd be fun at some point to, you know, do some Disney villain rankings um, I don't know where I would put her at the moment, but I mean, yeah. In in terms of like, I I do think she has menace to her. Um, but in terms of you know Disney villains, there's villains who are more menacing and or more charming than her that she probably wouldn't rank necessarily, you know, incredibly high for me. Um. But I, I, I enjoy her in the film. She She's serviceable, to, you know, to say the least. Yeah. But I think, like... So, what, like... One of the things I always... That I sometimes like to do with Disney villains when I'm thinking about them is, like... Is there, like... Do they have a chance defeating anybody else in the, mm. in the like, Disney villain pantheon? Yeah. <laughs> Especially now that I'm, like... We're watching a lot of old, you know, my daughter likes the Aristocats, she likes, um, you know, my wife loves the Rescuers movies, things like that, mm-hmm. and, you know, obviously, the the least, probably the least threatening villain in any Disney movie ever is the butler from the Aristocats. <laughs> I don't, I don't think there's a single villain less threatening than that yeah. in any of yeah. Disney's films, um, but like... <laughs> If you, you know, I could easily see, easily see, uh, Mother Grothel getting, you know, sweet-talking people like Clayton and Gaston, you know, some of those guys into, like, picking up their guns and going and dealing with the issue for her, which she does in this, and that's partially because that's what she does in this movie. Um, But because I could see, like... I, you know, I have full confidence that she could convince some of these people to do her bidding for her and get them to turn on each other before they ever turned on her, Um, which makes her 
definitely not. She's definitely like middle tier. Her yeah. song is <laughs> is low tier, but she's mi- at least middle tier in the villains. Yeah, I can't even so, imagine trying to rank every single Disney villain. That I wouldn't do. <laughs> That's exhausting. I'm exhausted right now just thinking of the idea. <laughs> so you've you've obviously you've obviously said that um, your your daughter sort of uh, relates to the character or. or appreciates or likes the character, you know, mostly because of the hair. But, um, you know, why uh, did you decide Tangled would be the movie that you introduce her to after Moana um, as opposed to, you know, Little Mermaid or anything else, really? My wife wanted to watch it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's it's a, really like it's, that's normally how it works. Uh, that's really it's what it boils down to. My wife is a, a huge Disney person. Um, one of the first, the first time that we as a, we attempted to as a family all sit down together and watch a movie was 101 Dalmatians because that's the one that because um, I don't remember if we had just gotten a Blu-ray copy of it, but we had this copy of it and we wanted to you know my wife especially wanted to watch it. I had no problem because that's, you know, it's a good movie. Um, yep. So it was one of the, and we figured, hey, it's animated dogs. Our daughter should be fine. She should enjoy herself. <laughs> um, so we picked, you know, we picked that one. We watched that, you know, a lot of it just boils down to whim. Um, yeah. You know, and the fact that there are, you know, there are certain movies that are so special to my wife as a big Disney person that she doesn't, you know, she when we did introduce Beauty and the Beast, um, which my daughter loves, there was no, oh, we're just going to turn it on for her while we're in, yeah. you know, no, it was, it had to be a, my wife and my daughter sitting together in the room, cuddled up, watching this movie so my wife could be there for, be there with her, her first time experiencing the film. Yeah. And I totally get that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so that, that plays... Uh, huge into into the factoring of of those decisions. So, do you have uh, do you have any final thoughts yourself regarding uh, Tangled that you want to get out there? Um, you know, other than your uh, your problems with the with the villain song, um, which I don't necessarily, I could see your point of view, but I th- I think it's a fine villain song. It's definitely better in the reprise than it is initially um for 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 my money anyway um but i think it's a it's a film that has a really some really underrated disney songs i think most of the songs um you know the at last i see the light and um the the song you mentioned when she's you know, talking about going, you know, about her day, mm-hmm. you know, I think those, I think those songs, those two in particular are, are great. They're kind of the standouts of the film for me. Um, <laughs> the song in the bar is, uh, yeah. is quite fun. Um, so yeah, it's, it's one that I could, I could definitely see, um, most people showing to their kids when they're pretty young. Cause it's, it's overall very enjoyable. Yeah. I agree, I agree, I agree. Alright. Well, hey, guys, um, that is that is it. That is what our kids are getting dressed up for is Halloween, why they are doing it, and why you can blame us for it. Um, you know, what you know, what are you guys going dressed as for Halloween? What do, what are you guys wearing? 
Um, let us know, uh, comment on Twitter at movies work. Um, you can email us movies after work at gmail.com. Although that seems weird to just email us. Oh, Hey, I'm going as Batman or something like that. Um, if you want to make it seem like it's that and then you open it and it's actually you yelling at me for one of my comments that I made in tonight's episode, that's fine. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, you know, obviously we hope that everyone has a, a safe Halloween as, as well as a fun one, um, that, uh, kids get great, kids get some good candy and the parents get some, uh, get kids their, get a good night's rest after crashing from their sugar high from said candy. Um, yeah. we obviously hope that stuff. And then we take the dad tax. Yes. Yes. Never forget the, never forget the dad tax, which is, I get... The, for for me, the dad tax is I get dibs on one type of candy in there that I like. Yeah. It's so like if you've got a bag of candy and say for someone it's three musketeers, every three musketeers is in there is mine unless I th- I'm gonna let you have one or two of them. That to <laughs> me is the dad tax. That yeah, for me it's it's more or less any peanut butter candy you get, Reese's, Butterfingers. Um, you know, I'll be, I'll be gracious enough to leave one or two behind, but if, if, uh, if my son comes home and, and wakes up the next morning and realizes there's only one Reese cup in his, in his bag when he was sure that he got 30 while he was walking around, <laughs> then he, <laughs> he can listen to this episode years later and understand why. Years later, years later, your son is going to be in his room and you're just going to hear, son of a bitch! <laughs> Every year! Um... Yeah, I love that mine sounds far less generous than yours, but in all reality it is. <laughs> mine, I have a far much generous dad tax than you. I find that funny. Um, well, I, you know, I actually have a plan this year. Well, okay. maybe not this year, but when, when you know, we're in a place where they can actually, our kids can go out and get a sizable haul like they, you know, they should be able to on Halloween. You know, maybe next year or the year after, my plan is to any Reese's that I eat, the wrappers I'm just going to leave around his bed on his pillows, and I'm gonna I'm, I'm wake him up the next morning, buddy. You fell asleep eating like a dozen Reese's cups. You okay? I love it. I love that. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be uh, pitching that in this house. <laughs> It's either going to be well received or this is my last episode. We'll see how. <laughs> this uh, is our version of uh, Jimmy Kimmel. Tell your kids you ate all their candy. <laughs> yeah, can trick them into thinking they ate it themselves. It's brilliant. Make them the make them the fall guy. I love it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, In case we, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say uh, for one for one last time before. Uh, the potential end of the world um, starts in full swing. Uh, everyone, please make sure that you remember to do everything you, everything you can and that you are comfortable with doing um, to make sure that you are voting before or on election day. Um, they they just they they just um, said that I guess Texas is early voting this year is higher than all 
of the 2016 voting for Texas. Oh, wow. In total. Um, yeah. And I've seen there are some numbers of, like, jumping from, like, 40,000 18 to 29-year-olds in some areas all the way up to, like, quarter of a million compared to 2016 or even 2018. So, um, it's fantastic to see that everyone's out there doing that. Um, just again, make sure you're doing it, doing it the way that's safe for you, uh, the way that you're comfortable with, the way that you feel you can do it safely. Um, and you know, obviously, obviously we, we are not super secretive about who we do or especially don't support on this show, but by all means, um, it's your vote. It's your decision. Don't let anyone tell you differently. Yeah. Um, as much as many people will want to, it is, it, it is your decision to make. Um, so yeah, please just make sure that you're doing that. Um, yep. I went myself last Saturday to an early polling place. Um, and I mean, that's, that's obviously not an option any longer. Um, but it was super convenient. I mean, it was, you know, I, I stood in line for maybe 45 minutes to an hour, but I got a mail-in ballot there. I was walked through the process. I was, you know, explained the process of putting it into the security envelope and then putting the security envelope into the, you know, mail away envelope. And, and, you know, everyone's, everyone's ballots were put into a box and, and, you know, it, it, I felt very comfortable doing it that way. Um, so I hope that anyone listening is able to do it, you know, vote in a way that makes them feel comfortable and, you know, makes it so they're, they're heard. Yeah. I myself, uh, will be getting off work at 6am on election day and, um, driving home to the polling place instead of my actual house and voting before I go to sleep for the morning. Um, and also just remember, I know I mentioned this on Twitter, but just remember everyone with so many, um, so many people not voting on election day itself and with so many states requiring that mail-in ballots not be counted until election day. Um, next Tuesday, it will be the projected winner of the election. Yeah. They will not know. Yeah. It could literally, we could, we could all be sitting around at Thanksgiving wishing that one or two states would just finish counting already. Um, there, there was a very, I mean, we've, we've sung his praises before, but there was a great John Oliver episode, um, about the election this year and how we, we could be waiting until, you know, mid to late November to finally see results and there could, it's, you know. It's an episode definitely worth watching. Um, if you are concerned that election night, it, it looks like Trump is winning. Um, or that Biden's winning, depending on who you are. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I mean, that could be the case because it seems like most Biden voters are voted by mail and, and most Trump voters um, are, are willing to vote in person. Um, it's, it's seeming like the majority of Trump's voters are probably going to be voting on election day, while the majority of Biden's voters are doing voting by mail or early voting, things of that nature. And so because of the way things are going to be counted, um, because of you know any early votes that might have been already counted, 
it might look in some places like Biden won when we're going to find out Trump did or vice versa. So just um, don't don't read into honestly don't read into anything until it's officially announced and we're waiting for a concession speech from from one of the from one of the options. Um, But yeah, so that's our, our you know it's the last time we have to go into that, which is nice. Um, yeah, this is the last time we we get to tell people to vote. So yeah, for the last time, vote, vote, vote. Yeah, after after this, there will be a good chance that on the show we won't feel the need to remind people of that as much. Um, but we'll see. Um, <laughs> it depends on how things go, but. Um, yeah, is there anything else that you'd like to add for the day, Alex? Um, I just want to say thank you guys to, you know, if, if, if you've listened to all 50 episodes, I don't know how you did it. Um, I congratulate you and, and I, I want to say thank you. Um, if you've only listened to this episode, there's 49 more for you to go listen to. Um, don't worry, I'm not on all of them. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, I just I, I want to say thank you to you, Tom, because uh, you've just made this an enjoyable experience, and I um, can't wait to do fifty more with you. Yeah, I feel the same way, man. I'm really appreciative that um, you and I have been having a lot of fun doing this. I'm grateful to everyone, to anyone and everyone who's listened, even if they've only listened to a single episode. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm grateful to everyone who's been on our show or who has had us on their show, um, to, to talk movies with us. Um, and yeah, of course with Alex, you know, this is, you know, it's, it's us turning one of our, our favorite to do's into, um, into something really fun, which is nice because, um, Obviously, with me not living near you, with us not living near each other anymore, the the way that we used to do it wouldn't really be happening anymore, unfortunately. Um, yeah. So hopefully at some point here I can get my butt up there, or you can get your butt down here, and we can do some facsimile of it again soon. Yeah. But, um, yeah, this has been a lot of fun. 50 episodes in, it's a fantastic experience, and here's to... 50 more and then 50 after that, 50 after that. And just, and then we're done 200 and we're done. Yeah. (laughs) To we're at at 200 episodes. If we haven't, if we have not made this show really just pop by 200 episodes, um, we'll probably give ourselves 50 more episodes because this is all we have. But yeah, I will, uh, again, as I mentioned earlier, follow us on Twitter, at Movies Work is our handle. Uh, Movies After Work at gmail.com is our email address if you want to get in touch with us that way. Uh, you can listen to the show wherever you're listening to it right now. Uh, or you can listen to it on, um, you can find other venues like Apple, Spotify, Google, um, Castbox, or you can even go onto Anchor, the web, the site that we use to make this fantastic show. Um, you can also go on there to listen to it, and maybe even consider starting your own show if you don't don't have one yet. So, um, with that, everyone, uh, 
This has been Movies After Work. I'm Thomas Crane. I'm Alex Stewart. Have a good day at work. Be safe and be kind. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye.